Welcome to You're Calling Our Podcast, the podcast for Evangel University. Evangel actually means good news, and we want to share good news with you about the incredible ways our alumni, students, and friends are changing the world. I'm your host, Hector Cruz, and I work in the University Advancement Office at Evangel University here in Springfield, Missouri. But before introducing our guest today, we'd like to say thank you to the Assemblies of God Credit Union for sponsoring this podcast. In case you didn't know, the Assemblies of God Credit Union was founded by Assemblies of God employees in 1951, and they provide day-to-day banking services for people across the United States and missionaries in 190 countries worldwide. Amazing. When you bank with AGCU, you're helping support church ministry, university scholarships and programs, and humanitarian efforts. And you can learn more at agcu.org. Today's guest is Dr. Craig Keener, and it is a very humbling experience to get to interview and and speak with Dr. Keener. Uh, A few things to share with you about him. He is the FM and Ada Thompson Professor of Biblical Studies at Asbury Theological Seminary. He's the author of 33 books, with more than 1 million copies in circulation. The books have won 13 national or international awards, including six in Christianity Today. He's also authored roughly 100 academic articles, seven booklets, and roughly 200 popular level articles. His The IVP Bible Background Commentary, New Testament, which provides cultural background on each passage of the New Testament, alone has sold more than half a million copies. His books include commentaries on Matthew, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, 1st Peter, Revelation, a two-volume commentary on John, and a four-volume commentary on Acts, plus a two-volume work on miracles, works about the Spirit, ethnic reconciliation, women in ministry, divorce, and various other topics. Hang on, Dr. Keener, I need to catch my breath. We got a little bit more to share here in just a second. He is also the New Testament editor for the NIV Cultural Background Study Bible, which won the International Book Award for Christianity and Bible of the Year in the Christian Book Awards. In 2020, Dr. Keener was president of the Evangelical Theological Society. He's the former editor of the Bulletin for Biblical Research and the former program chair for the Institute for Biblical Research. He's married to Dr. Medin Musunga Keener, who was a refugee in her home country of the Congo for 18 months. Her experience and their romance appears in the book Impossible Love. His blog site is www.craigkeener.com. He is our 2021 CBC Distinguished Alumnus, and we will be honoring him more formally during homecoming at Evangel on October 22nd and 23rd, and you can register online at evangel.edu slash homecoming. Dr. Keener, welcome to the podcast. It's, it's great to be with you. I need like five minutes to catch my breath after reading all that and sharing all that. Amazing. I, I, I really mean it. I'm humbled to, uh, to spend a few minutes with you today. So thank you so much for, for agreeing to come on. It's, it's my privilege to, to be with you. When you hear all of those um, accolades, as I would call them, what goes through your mind? Uh, the Lord has brought me from a mighty long way, <laughs> as, we, as we say in some churches, um, yeah, I was converted off the street. I was converted from atheism from an unchurched background um, in my teen years when I was about 15 years old. And I started sharing Christ with people on the street. I uh, Sometimes I would, sometimes people would get saved and sometimes they would beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I wasn't really expecting to be around at the age of 61, uh, but I'm I'm just grateful to God for keeping me and using me and 
and for gifts that I know come from him and not from anything I could do. That's amazing. Well, let's start a little bit earlier than that. Tell us a little bit about where you were born and a little bit about your family. Sure. I was born in <clears throat> Massillon, Ohio. Um, do you want to know more about my uh, family of origin here or my current family? So let's start with your family of origin. I mean, you, did you have any brothers or sisters? Did you, yes. did you stay in, in Ohio your whole life or did you guys move around? Uh, actually, we were very stable in that way. I mean, we moved once within the same town. Okay. But it was, um, it was Maslin, Ohio. And yeah, I was there for my first 18 years. Okay. And my, um, my mother was an artist and also did art therapy. Okay. And my father uh, originally worked uh, in business for the steel industry, and then he transitioned and owned a clothing store. Awesome. And so did you have any brothers or sisters or anything? No, sorry. No, my, that's okay. Uh, my, um, uh, I was the oldest. Okay. The hard-headed one. So, <laughs> um, my younger brother, Chris, who went on and did his PhD in physics, and, uh, and then Brett, and then the youngest, 12 years younger than I, Jennifer. Um, so really fun to have a, a little sister, much younger than I am. But uh, Chris, Chris and I really were, were we, we became very close. He became a Christian after I did. Okay. I was converted through somebody witnessing on the street. I shared Christ with Chris. And he was so impressed by me having changed dramatically, and that I was now nice to him instead of picking on him. <laughs> but he, he, he said, I want to be Christian too. But somebody told me, no, the age of accountability is 12. So I said, Chris, I'm sorry, you're too young. You have to wait. You have to wait a couple more years. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, and he went downstairs to his room and cried and said, God, I don't care what Craig says. I want to follow you. Oh, wow. So I'm a Christian for real. <laughs> oh, how sweet. That's how it's done. That's amazing. So it sounds like you didn't necessarily grow up in a Christian home. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, not, not in church. I had um, one set of grandparents was Catholic. One set of grandparents was Methodist. And they were, they were pretty devout. In fact, my Methodist um, relatives were praying for our family, praying that, that we would be converted. And they were so excited when I became a Christian. Um, somebody in my family, and I won't go into details on that, but somebody in my family had warned them not to witness to us. Okay. You keep your religion to yourself. So uh, they had just prayed faithfully. And then God used some Baptists on the street to lead me to Christ. And then uh, two days later, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Assemblies of God Church. So, Oh, my goodness. I was going to ask, how did you then come into the Assemblies? <clears throat> the pastor of the local Assemblies Church was just a very gracious man, Donald Stanley. He, he, he and his wife, both very gracious, very full of the Spirit. Um, they, they also were CBC grads. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes he would see me running to school in the rain. So he would pull over as he was giving his daughter a ride to school and give, give me a ride to school. And so I always thought, well, you know, I'm not a Christian, uh, but 
out of courtesy, if I ever visit a church, I'll visit that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Lord, the Lord arranged it that way. But I, I walked into the church on Sunday. I, I was converted on a Friday. Walked into the church on Sunday. I didn't know what time it started, so I showed up too early first time, and then, then when I came back, they'd already started Sunday school. But it was, uh, uh, I think Stanley Horton wrote the lesson, "Science backs the Bible," and I was so excited because. I'd wanted to be a scientist. Yeah. And so, so that really encouraged me. Um, and then some of the others in the youth group kind of took me under the wing, and especially Pastor Stanley did. But anyway, the uh, that night I came back, and and I, the way I had gotten converted two days before, I mean the the Baptist witnessed to me, but I walked off on him because um, actually they didn't sound very open to science. I asked him mm. something about paleontology. He says, the devil put the dinosaur bones there to, to fool us. And so oh, I was boy. like, no. <laughs> so I walked off. Uh, and But when I got to got home, I was just so overwhelmed with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'd yeah. studied different religions and philosophies, but I, this was something completely different. God was in the room with me. And I was so overwhelmed by his presence that basically... I mean, the only thing I could do without deliberately rebelling against him and, you know, saying, okay, I, I'd like to go to hell forever. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, God, I don't know how to be saved, but if if it's Jesus dying for me and rising again, if that's what you're saying, I'll believe it. But God, I don't know how to be saved. So if you want to save me, you're going to have to do it yourself. All of a sudden, I felt something rushing through my body like I'd never felt before. But I was really scared and I jumped up like, what just happened to me? But then two, two nights later, I'm, I'm uh, in the Assemblies of God Church and they're, they're praying at the front. And there were people praying in tongues, but I didn't know what there was. I thought they were probably praying in Latin. I okay. thought the Bible was written in Latin. I knew nothing, sure. <laughs> almost nothing about Christianity. And, and, the, um, and so I was a little nervous. I wasn't sure if I was praying right. And I wasn't even sure I told them that I'd gotten saved a couple of days before, but then I started wondering, what if I, what if I wasn't really, what if I didn't do it right? Mm. And, and Pastor Stanley tapped me on the shoulder and asked her, are you sure that you were saved? I said, no, I'm actually not sure. And so he led me in the sinner's prayer. I felt the same overwhelming presence of God this time, but this time, instead of being scared, I just yielded to it fully. I wanted to praise God but I knew that he was so worthy that only he could give me the words to do it. And of course, God knows lots of languages. So when it started coming out in another language, I didn't know what that was, but it went on for like an hour or two, punctuated with this deep cathartic laughter, this joy that I'd never felt before. This was 1975, so I didn't know there were names for these things. Sure. Uh, but but I, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying praying that way ever since. That's amazing. I love hearing that story. Thank you um, for being so authentic and sharing that. Uh, what an incredible conversion experience. And, um, and it's amazing now to look at, at what you have done as you've continued to follow the Lord and, and how God has used you um, through that experience. So um, when you say, a, was it a street street? preacher or a group of, of, of people on the street in Maslin, Ohio, or somewhere yeah. else? Okay. It was, it was two, uh, two Baptists from Maslin Baptist Bible College, which actually, I think, 
was founded by somebody who had gone to BBC in wow. uh, in Springfield back in the heyday. Wow. So later I ended up in Springfield, but a uh, different different college. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit. My wife is from Ohio, uh, not too far away. So um, this an interesting connection there. So getting into your CBC experience, or actually from there, um, you know, you said you were 16 or so. And so um, you started going to the Assemblies of God Church. And is, is your pastor how you found out about CBC and, and how you kind of decided to attend there? Yes. Um, yeah, Donald, Donald and Peggy Stanley, such, such gracious people. And also there was a guest speaker who often spoke at the church, who had gone to CBC, um, just, actually Joe and, Joe and Arlene Silva. And also we had an intern from CBC at our church. And I really wanted to learn Greek. And so he taught me the Greek alphabet. And then I started using an interlinear to, you know, so I could do that with my studies. Danger of an interlinear was I didn't know the grammar, so I came up with all sorts of weird ideas. But <laughs> <laughs> at least I, you know, the first three weeks of Greek, I, I knew I knew all the words. Yeah, <laughs> sure. When I got the CBC. Yeah, well, that's so. Remind me, what uh, when did you graduate from CBC? I graduated in 1982. 82, okay. and then 87 from AGTS. That's right. Okay. Awesome. And um, I mentioned it in the bio um, when I when I read it, but t talk a little bit about, um, you know, what you did after graduation and kind of fill in the gaps from from graduation to what you're doing now. How did you how did your career progress? Sure, I it's it's CBC. You know, when I came to CBC, I, I had no intention or idea of becoming a scholar. I didn't even know what one was in biblical studies. I, I mean, I knew what one was in some subjects, but. Um, well, yeah, so, so before, if I could jump in there, before that, you came to CBC, what was, what was the reason you came to CBC? To, did you wanna enter into the, 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 in, into the ministry or into the mission field? Or what was your, what did you feel like the Lord was calling you to when you decided to come to CBC? Yeah, when I was 16, it was a few months after my conversion, uh, I felt the Lord call me into into ministry, okay. and Pastor Stanley, you know, he had thought that anyway. He took me under his wings, and um, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to go to CBC. But back then there was a problem, which wouldn't be a problem now with it, it, you know being part of Evangel University. But back then, um, <clears throat> I won a National Merit Scholarship in high school, but they wouldn't cover CBC. Um, and so everybody was upset about me going to CBC. And even my pastor at that point tried to talk me out of it. My parents were trying to talk me out of it. Um, they were like, okay, you go there, you go there without any, any funding from, yeah. from us. And so uh, initially, I mean, they did relent. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so I was like, Lord, I really feel like you called me to do this. And so I was getting these invitations from like Harvard and West Point was the first place that contacted me and, and, and so on. And I just, I was like, no, the Lord wants me to go to CBC and get this grounding. I was going to go for two years uh, because I wanted to learn Greek and Hebrew. And then I was just going to go out and preach as far as I knew, because I only had, you know, the Lord had led me for the first two years. I didn't have anything for after that. So, um, I came to CBC on faith, 
uh, didn't have much money, uh, worked maintenance for a while, um, but, uh, but the Lord did, did provide all the way through. And then, um, and of course I worked during the summers and then uh, after, after about two years, I knew that I was called to call the church back to the scriptures, back to, back to God's word. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And I didn't know that there are a whole lot of other people with the same calling. <laughs> sure. But, but I had kind of envisioned it like going from one church to another and just, you know, being a guest preacher. But the Lord had something different in mind. There was this one professor at CBC and some of the students said, he's, he's intellectual, he's not spiritual. I hopefully mm -hmm. we're past that, but back, back in those days we had, some of us had a dichotomy between yeah. what's intellectual and what's spiritual. It's not really a healthy dichotomy because I mean, uh, it's like saying, do you wanna read the Bible or you wanna pray? <laughs> it's yeah. like- Yeah, no, you're uh, right. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I was on the prayer side of it and, 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 but I would, um, so there was this one, this one professor, he was known as very academic, Ben Aker, uh -huh. and he later taught at AGTS. And I was like, well, God, we, I just pray that you will show him the light so he won't be so academic, he'll be spiritual. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and rebuked me and said, I've given him the gift of teaching, you need to go learn from him. Wow. So I signed up for three classes with him the next semester. <laughs> and, but it was amazing. In Greek, as he was teaching Greek, I would feel the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, I felt it in a lot of other classes, too. I mean, Opal Redden's class, you couldn't help but feel the Holy Spirit and some of the other professors. But um, so I would, uh, and then I'd be praying, and the Lord would show me something, and Ben Aker would cover it the next week in class. And I'm like, wow. Oh, wow, God. So we can hear your voice both in prayer and through exegesis. Yeah. And so it, it, it turned me on to that. And, and I began, you know, by my second year, I was praying. And by this point, I actually wanted to go on with school. And I, I you know, my model was Ben Aker, because if I could teach, I could reach more people you know, by, by, by providing, you know, learning Resources. to those who would be pastors. Yeah, yeah. Then, then I would be just going from one church to another. You know, I could, I could help empower those who would be the pastors who'd be in those churches, you know, long-term. So with that in mind, I, I uh, you know, I, I was praying. I felt like God, that's what God wanted me to do. So I'd already taken all the fun classes. <laughs> yeah. These are my electives by far. So, uh, but I went ahead and finished CBC. And at that point, I was feeling like I needed to go on and, and study more of the background. When I you know, first was converted, I had to catch up with the little kids in Sunday school. Mm. more about the Bible than I did. Yeah. I started reading 40 chapters of the Bible a day. And if wow. you do that, you can get through the New Testament every week or through the Bible every month. There's actually one of our guest speakers who mentioned that he did that. And I thought that would be a great idea. Uh, didn't leave me a lot of free time, but yeah, wow. <laughs> I was working on the side, but well, I was working full time and I was doing this on the side. But, um, but then uh, as I kept reading it, I mean, the first thing 
it brought together the context. I saw the flow of context. It's not a verse here and a verse there, but it's, you know, each book of the Bible is, is connected within itself. Yeah. But then I realized, okay, I need the, I need the, the background because as I'm reading, I'm doing all this reading, I'm realizing, you know, for example, Paul takes for granted that his audience knows what issues he's addressing, but he doesn't always explain those. So I realized I needed to, to get a hold of that background. Um, ben Aker had, he was giving us some of it, especially from uh, rabbinic sources at that time. Um, Terry Lewis and Gary McGee, they would give us also some background. And, you know, so I just, I started hungering for the background so that I could make it available. And so for that reason, I went to what was then SMSU, it's now Missouri State, started there, took, uh, took a number of, well, took my German and French exams there, or sorry, courses there so I could, uh, you know, be able to study in those languages as needed, but, but especially I was taking ancient Near East courses. But as time went on, uh, and, I, and I was working fast food while I was <laughs> supporting wow. myself, but as time went on, the Holy Spirit began to lead me that I should really go to AGTS. Mm. And so uh, of all the schools I went to, that was the most, spiritually, I think that was the, the best environment. At CBC, a lot of us were hard-headed, <laughs> um, not, not, not saying that about anybody else, maybe. No, just no, not, not, a, not about anybody listening at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we wanted to, to argue and nitpick about these little doctrinal issues uh, and it's good to study doctrinal issues, but you know, by the time we got to AGTS, most of us have been in ministry for a while, and we were desperate. Please teach us, teach us. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so there, there was a better integration. I think uh, I, I'm not saying it was the faculty's fault at CBC, but for, on the part of the students, there was a better integration of, you know, what we could learn academically. Yeah, and. Uh, or like like proverbs, you know, some of the proverbs, the wisdom is wisdom. Some of it was wisdom that was pervasive in the ancient Near East. It's like just because a non-believer also has the wisdom doesn't make it wrong. Yeah. Sometimes God gives wisdom to people made in His image, and we can learn from that. But but at AGTS, you know, it was integrated learning from the Holy Spirit and and learning everything we could from whatever sources, uh, you know, critically evaluating it. And that really prepared me for uh, what what awaited my doctoral work. Yeah, well, and that reminds me of the longtime tagline at AGTS, knowledge on fire, yes. you know, with the reference to the Holy Spirit. You've hit on this a couple of times, and, and it's it could probably be an entire podcast season in and of itself. But the dichotomy you mentioned, um, and I don't know that it's necessarily specific to CBC, but just kind of this tension that exists between... Um, the idea that we need to get ministers and missionaries out the door because Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We don't have time for this liberal arts, you know, long-term education, um, which I think is such an interesting component of the, of the founding of evangel in the context of, of the assemblies of God, God denomination. Like I said, probably a, a topic for a different podcast on a different day, but it's interesting to hear you talk about it from your perspective, having gone through CBC and noticing that too. And I love the way you framed it, that it, it needs to be a both and approach. And it, and it, I think that's how God in, intended it to be. Yeah. 
never, never sacrifice the spiritual. Um, I mean, we are here to serve Jesus, uh, but he's given us all these resources as tools to serve him. Before my conversion, I was an intellectual snob. I thought I was so smart. I had to eat crow once I became a Christian. I had to admit I was wrong about the most important things in the world. But, but you didn't have to give up your intellectual capabilities. But at first, I thought I did. Yeah. And, and so um, it, was, it was a process in realizing, no, I can keep those, I can use those, but as tools to, to serve the Lord. And actually what happened, uh, you know, this craving for background I had with the, uh, you know, by the time I finished the PhD at Duke, I was, I collected like 70,000 index cards. Wow. This was before we could put things on flash drives. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I, I just had gotten my first computer, actually. So, um, but I, I was like, I've spent all these years getting all this background. It is totally unrealistic to expect everybody to spend 10 to 12 years studying cultural background just so they can go out and preach the Bible. Why don't I put it into a book? and make it available passage by passage. And that's where the Bible background commentary came from. And, and isn't that amazing? That's, that's how you got into, I would say, a different church every weekend, just like you felt like the Lord was calling you to do. You were doing it through the pr pr pastors that were already there. Yeah. Yeah. It was even more than just teaching. It was, I mean, I was teaching through the, through the books. And actually, when, when I finished Duke, I mean, the Lord had provided for me every year. The day before I was going to call Duke and tell him I couldn't come. The Lord provided the money. Wow. Uh, but now when I, well, you know, I'd <clears throat> been in school from CBC to the end of my PhD. Some of it was part-time while I was working uh, a lot, but um, tw 12 years. Yeah. So I was like, okay, God, now, now I can do these things, but you, you've, you've provided all the way. I don't understand why there's no doors open for me to teach because at the time I didn't have a teaching position. Okay. Uh, when, when I finished my PhD and I couldn't understand like, Lord, how are you going to do this? I should have had enough faith by then, but anyway, <laughs> it's uh, a journey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, the summer was going on. It was getting closer and closer to the fall semester. I still didn't have a position. And I think it was, uh, a Sunday evening in late late July or early August, I said, God, uh, well, I figured out how much I was going to need to live on that year, uh, just so that my research files wouldn't be out in the streets. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could always go back to fast food, but I had a lot of research files. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, back then you couldn't put it on a flash drive. They didn't have such things. And, right. and so I was... Um, I, I, I've been praying, trying to have faith, but I was like, God, barring a miracle, I'm going to be on the street this year. And I think he waited until I came to my wit's end. So I would realize that I didn't make it happen. It was God who made it happen. But that seems to be his modus <laughs> yeah. operandi. You know what I mean? His MO is, is, is to do just that. It was less than 24 hours later that University Press called me and said, we'd like you to do that. Bible background commentary you proposed, and we'd like to give you an advance on it. Wow. And that year, 
it was good I didn't have a teaching position because I needed full time to be writing that background commentary and then the next year to edit it. But the next year I did have a teaching position. So uh, he knows exactly what he's doing. And, and, and the advance was to the dollar what I decided the night before I needed to live on that year. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask how that aligned. It, it was God, God is, is faithful in what he, he really calls us to do. Yeah, that's amazing. I love to hear stories of, of just this, how, how, you know, you know, in your mind, you have the knowledge. We all, as Christians, we know that God is good. We know that he is faithful. We know that he will provide, but there's still the emotional uh, element to it that is sometimes hard to whip into shape. And I think that's the component that sometimes lags a little behind to catch up with what we know before we feel and experience God's yeah. faithfulness. Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, the faith that Abraham had, or Abram had in Genesis 15, where he believed God and it was counted him as righteousness, that was great. But the faith that he had in Genesis 15 was not the same kind of faith that he had in Genesis 22, when he was willing to offer up the promised child back to God, knowing that God would raise him from the dead if need be, that God would be faithful to his promise. Because over the intervening years, he'd seen God's faithfulness. And I think sometimes we make faith into a mechanism or a formula when faith is a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we trust God's faithfulness and then we grow to trust him more as we see. That's right. Even, even in the hardest times, he's still there. That's and right. He, he brings us through on the other side. It's ongoing. It's it's never that. Um, yes, we've we finally have faith. It's more. Yes, I'm I'm still getting faith. I'm still growing in my faith because there's always something else to to stretch and and learn about about our God. Um, and so you mentioned the teaching position once you finished your PhD. Now, was that directly into Asbury, or had you worked somewhere else before coming to Asbury? <clears throat> Yeah, that was at um, an African-American seminary, a okay. Hood Theological Seminary in North Carolina. <clears throat> Actually, uh, because it was part of the African-American church at, at that point, um, Dr. Turner, uh, William, William C. Turner, he was a, an African-American Pentecostal uh, professor at Duke and <clears throat> in, in Black Church Studies, he recommended me to the dean there, and that's how I how I got that position. I was there for four years. Then I was at Palmer or Eastern Baptist Seminary for fifteen years in Philadelphia. That was uh, that was that school was probably half African American, so it was um, <clears throat> it was a wonderful experience for me because I was part of the Black Church. I'm also evangelical. I'm also Pentecostal, you know, so I had all those things together. Yeah. <clears throat> At Palmer, they were all welcome, uh, right. all those aspects of who, who I am. And, and then um, <clears throat> finally around, uh, well, it was 2011 when we, we came to Asbury, I had gotten a, an offer from a school that offered me like, uh, something like $30,000 more a year than I was making. Oh, wow. I, I wasn't, I didn't feel a piece about it, but I thought, well, God, at least I'll pray about it because 
think of all the good I could do with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I still didn't feel a piece about it, but that night I had a dream where I asked Ben Witherington for advice. And so uh, Ben was teaching at Asbury. So I just emailed Ben the next day and said, Ben, uh, what advice do you have? And he said, oh, we're going to have an opening here. You should come here. And so <laughs> I didn't know about the opening there. And so uh, I applied, I interviewed, but I wasn't really serious about it. I just, you know, it was just one thing that was on the table. I, I really loved where I was, but then um, my wife really felt like it was God's will for us to go. And of course, you know, if Isaac had listened to Rebecca, things would have gone a lot better for <laughs> the next generation. So um, I, I still didn't feel, I, I, was, I was torn yeah. between both. I couldn't do both. <laughs> yeah. They weren't in the same town. That's right. But, um, but finally, the Lord made it clear uh, to me as well. It, I basically had to move based on what my wife felt was God's will because I was so torn. But yeah. eventually, I, I heard. And... I love that. That's great. So, um, you know, we've, we've gone over all the different things you've written and, and, and the different things you do. In your quote unquote free time, what kind of hobbies do you enjoy? Uh, I don't know what what free time is anymore. I used, <laughs> it used to be uh, I would just worship the Lord in the guitar with songs. I mean, I still worship the Lord, but I I've forgotten <laughs> my my uh, a lot of my picking yeah and stuff on the guitar. Uh, I used to even write uh, fiction, but there's just no time now. Yeah, I, I have to turn down so much, so many so many things people ask me to do and I, I, I feel badly about it, but, um, you know, I, I teach full time. I, I try to write full time. I have my family. I have my devotional life. Yeah. Um, and I need to eat and sleep and, well, and exercise. Uh, so, at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I guess exercise could be considered part of my free, free time. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because sometimes when, when I'm talking to people um, who, you know, I mean, obviously you are well-deserving of, of this award and this honor. And I talk to people like you, I, you know, I'm like, man, how, how do you have all the time? So you saying, well, I really don't <laughs> is, is very genuine and authentic and, and, you know, gives people like me hope, <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't have to sacrifice and sleep three hours a night to be able to do no, it, do the no, thing. No, no, no. No, I, I, I did try that. Uh, Before you tried that in the past. I did. And I ended up in the hospital and I've been trying to get enough sleep ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't sacrifice the sleep because I learned the hard way. Yeah. I mean, some people, maybe their bodies can handle it better, but I am not one of them. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's good to know that about yourself. So we've talked a little bit about, uh, about AGTS as well. And I just want to share... Um, a little bit more about AGTS with our, our listeners. The Assemblies of God Theological Seminary serves the larger Pentecostal and evangelical traditions with 21st century leadership for the church and its mission. AGTS, as we call it, is accredited by the Association of Theological Schools and the Higher Learning Commission. AGTS is the Embedded Seminary of Evangel University, the National School of the Assemblies of God. So I know you mentioned having gone through um, grad school at AGTS prior to your PhD. Um, and I'm sure you have plenty of stories and, and can share some of those here. And we talked a little bit about what brought you to 
CBC. We've been talking a little bit about how that that shaped you. Before we came on, uh, you mentioned that CBC was formative for you. I'd love to get into a little bit more of that. Explain a little bit more about how CBC kind of shaped you and prepared you for for your calling. I was involved in a lot of ministry there and also was involved. um, I I learned so much from my professors, learned a lot from, of course, my, my fellow students Sometimes I never stayed up all night to write a paper, but I did stay up a couple times all night uh, in discussion with some of my fellow students about the Bible. Um, and I, I, I learned a lot of things about myself too. I mean, uh, I was so, I got to the place where I was like, so uh, I told, talked before about being an intellectual snob. Sometimes I would, you know, keep raising my hand and, keep trying to show how smart I was be, by trying to catch the teacher on something for a while. And um, finally, a student took me aside and said, you know, you're making this class very difficult. And, and I, I repented, I apologized to the professor. And he was very gracious to me. Um, he treated me in a very fatherly way. And I just had some good experiences with professors that kind of healed some of the stuff I'd gone through in my, in my past. I had uh, been physically abused in my childhood, mm. never sexually abused, but I'd been physically abused. Yeah. And I guess the, the only thing I had for my self-esteem was my intellect and just have re- remembering again, okay, that's not, that's not the most important thing, being able to show how smart you are. The most important thing is that God loves you. God made you in his image. And through some of my professors, I got to see that. Um, That's amazing to, to hear that journey that you were on. And, and if I could make a connection just by observing and listening to you tell your story, I, I can't... I, it seems to me that your reaction and your response early at CBC was natural. I mean, I, the way I see it, you were a, a, a high schooler that had won this national award, was being recruited by all these highly academic and, and intellectual institutions. And you felt the call to pursue, you know, being trained in the, in the ministry at a, at a little school that nobody had heard, heard of. And so I'm sure there was a part of you that had come and, and, um, you know, maybe wanted to try to prove, hey, I was, you should know who I am. I was, I, can, I just think of 18 year old me, you know, thinking through that mindset of, you know, hey, these people need to know who I am and what I'm capable of. So I totally understand how you walked through that. And then there was the other part of me that was like spiritual, not intellectual. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, sometimes I'd go running across campus, jumping over fences. I'd probably break my neck if I tried that now. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, and chapel experience. Oh, some, sometimes the spirit of God would, would move and just for a few days, you could feel the spirit of God all over the campus. And The thing that's but, inspiring to me is to hear the tension that, that, that I could tell was, was raging inside of you and how you consistently yielded to the spirit of God. You consistently, consistently obeyed what the Lord was leading you to do. And the spirit actually is the one who taught me 
Yeah. That, yeah, I can I can make use of this this academic stuff. Um, another thing, when I first came in, I was hanging out with some word of faith people, mm. and <clears throat> much as much as I appreciate the faith aspect, the Faith is only as good as its object. And if your object is verses out of context, it doesn't work. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, 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 was, um, I was sick. Uh, I, I got really sick my, I think it was my freshman year. And I was coughing so much in class that I passed out. Mm. And the, uh, the school nurse came and somebody else and they carried me or helped me back to my to my room and they said you need to go see a doctor and i said well no i'm 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 trusting god for healing <laughs> and and uh the thing was they said well no you need to trust god for a doctor so <laughs> I, so I, I was praying and i said god okay i i don't have any money for a doctor so i need you to either heal me or give me money for a doctor and so he healed me right there on the spot, but I didn't learn my lesson. And so the next year, uh, I, I passed out from something completely different. I have low blood pressure. I didn't okay. know that it makes me pass out more easily, but okay. I haven't passed out for a long time. But, um, but the next year uh, from something else completely unrelated. And this time I was taken to a doctor uh, and, and, you know, People, people get healed. I, I, I had been healed. I, yeah, sure. People get healed, and but, uh, so I was, I was helping a, a Victory Mission, uh, mm -hmm. I, the cooks who started it. I was, I was one of the mentees there. Still a very there. strong ministry here in town. Absolutely. Yeah, they, uh, they were, they were so wonderful. Retired Pentecostal pastors, and so, um, I was, I was upstairs in the mission, praying and saying, God. I'm so humiliated. I had to go to a doctor. How mm -hmm. could you let this happen to me? And it, it's just shameful what I said, but this is how immature I was. Uh, and I was a sophomore at this point, but I said, God, I thought you loved me. And then there was a moment of silence. And in the midst of the silence, he said, my child, I let this happen to you because I love you. Mm. And suddenly it struck me. I had with some of the word of faith stuff and i'm not saying everybody everybody means that when they say word of faith but for sure. me it was so much a, a formula yeah. instead of a relationship yeah and and god had god wanted he wanted that fresh relationship with him i had let it grow stale with the formula yeah and, and he wanted me to to listen to his voice again and not just you know He's speaking things like that makes it happen. That's not That's the way right. it works. That's who, right. Uh, uh, Lamentation says, who is the one who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Yeah, that's a good word. Don't put, don't put God in a box. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if, you, if you weren't doing all that you're doing now, writing and teaching and, and all of those things, um, what do you think you would be doing? You mentioned wanting to be a scientist. If you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you be doing? Um, well, I think it was April 11th, 1976, the Lord called me in the ministry. And I, and I thought I could do that and be a scientist. I was kind of unrealistic in time, yeah. uh, time boundary settings, <laughs> <laughs> age of 16. But, uh, but uh, 
that wouldn't have worked. I mean, I couldn't do both just, just because of time. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for the people who, you know, use that to serve the Lord. But, um, and then, yeah, I, I don't think I could be doing something else. I mean, the day before I was going to call Duke and tell him I couldn't come, the Lord provided the money. If he hadn't provided the money, I don't know, maybe I would be, you know, working in a, in a store and just leading Bible studies on the side. I don't know what I'd be doing. Yeah. And he, he opened the doors and I'm just so grateful to him. But I, but because of the way he did it, I always can look back and know that I'm here because he made the way for me. Absolutely. I couldn't have done it myself. And I think that's the mark, that answer to me confirms and is the mark that you are operating fully in, in, in the calling that God had for, has for you. I mean, you know, if you can't even visualize or fathom doing anything else, your your schedule might be slammed. You may not have a whole lot of time for hobbies, but I get the sense that that's okay with you <laughs> because you love what you're doing. Yeah. And that's yeah. an important aspect of our calling. Um, so you've obviously written many books. Um, I'm curious what you're reading. What kind of books are you reading? What book recommendations would you have for our listeners uh, talk to us a little bit about that. There are so many, and it depends. It mm-hmm. really depends on uh, what their ministry is, or what their uh, what their what their interests are. Which books I should recommend? <laughs> There's just too many to. to so let's go with uh, what are you reading right now? I'm reading commentaries on Mark because I'm writing a commentary on Mark, and. Okay. Um, some of these commentaries are written by friends of mine, and they're going to be offended if I don't mention, <laughs> if I don't cite them somewhere. So, <laughs> Good. That's smart of you. So what, uh, <clears throat> let me ask you this. I know this is a, a question some people have. Are you a, a person that reads one book at a time, or can you re- be reading multiple books at the same time? Usually I'll, I'll read through one book at a time, but at the moment I'm trying to I'm working through my notes. Um, <clears throat> like I mentioned, I had 70,000 index cards. Um, eventually it was 100,000 index cards. And then I started just taking my notes electronically, which is yeah. much quicker and easier to file in multiple places. So um, right now I'm working through turning like 20 pages of notes a day on average into um, commentary. Uh, you know, uh, paragraphs in, in the commentary, uh, trying to uh, consolidate and um, condense. Yeah. So so that I can make make the material most useful. So in that sense, I'm looking at forty years of wow of reading. Yeah. Uh, the notes that I've taken, but on the side. When I'm able, I'm also reading these other commentaries yeah. and, and trying to make sure that I I don't leave out somebody or something. But I always do. I mean, the Acts commentary, I the bibliography of sources that I cited, secondary sources that I cited was 10,000. And wow. I still meet people who say, you left my book out. Oh, my goodness. You know, and I didn't mean to, but I, you can't. There's just so much out there. Absolutely. Uh, and, the, and the primary sources are what I really love. The, yeah ancient sources so i had like tens of thousands of those wow in the next commentary 
that's a book in and of itself just to get all the bibliography in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, what about audiobooks? Where do you stand on audiobooks? Do you do you listen to books on audio? Well, when I have time. Yeah. <laughs> so right. My my commute is not very far. I live within walking distance of the seminary. Okay. So, um, when I exercise, though, like yesterday. When I was exercising, I listened to a Christianity Today podcast. Okay. And yeah, when when I'm when I'm able to do that, that's, it a, that's also okay. a good way. I, I also today, uh, like during my shower and and uh, uh, laundry and and meals, I was listening to the Gospel of Luke. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a great a great book to have on uh, on audiobook. Absolutely. So one thing we like to do with our guests on the podcast is to play a little game. And uh, it's kind of unfair that we put this at the end because I learn all about you. And then we try to play this game where I try to predict uh, two truths and a lie. So um, if you need a minute, you can take a minute to, to think of uh, the three things you want to share. Um, but whenever you're ready, you share three things and I'll try to guess which two are true and which one's a lie. When I first uh, saw that this question was coming up, uh, I looked at these last night and I had to pray, like, is this unethical for me to do this? And then I realized it's just the same as joking. So that's right. So we'll, okay, for this, version, for this version, we'll, we'll call it two truths and a joke. Okay. I wrote my Duke dissertation on the spirit in John's gospel. I published some articles in Evangelicalism Today, and I, and I had my life threatened multiple times for my witness. Um, you get three guesses. Yeah, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say that the, uh, hmm, I'm going to say the dissertation is, um, I'm going to say the dissertation is a lie just because I think there's a technicality there somewhere that it's not quite what you said. And I'm going to say that you have had your life threatened for your witness multiple times. And that um, the second one that you've had several articles in Evangelical today. Okay. I fooled you. Oh, you got me. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't even know. There probably is some magazine called Evangelicalism Today, but I've never heard of it. So. Okay. Well, I had neither, but I thought, well, yeah, sure. I mean, you, you would know. <laughs> you really got me. All right. So, yeah, good job. You win this round. That means I think that means because you won, I think that means that you can buy me lunch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like heads I win, tails you lose. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, the, we we just make the rules up as we go. So <laughs> I just appreciate you uh, carving out the time to to spend with us today. And um, before we go, I've asked you all of the questions. What questions do you have for me? Um, when I went to CBC, it wasn't. I mean, there was some, but it wasn't really very ethnically diverse. Mm. Is, is Evangel more ethnically diverse now? That's a great question. So um, our ethnic diversity rates are, are in the neighborhood of 20%, um, which given our context regionally yeah. is very strong. So um, I think per student, because obviously, you know, we're in the same town as a large state school, which has quite a few more students than we do. But percentage wise, we have the highest ethnic diversity rates of any of the schools in town. Awesome. Now, Springfield's ethnic diversity rates, I, I think, are still hovering around 5 to 10%. Wow. So, so not a very ethnically diverse region. 
And so given that's why I kind of caveat that, that given the context, you know, it's strong. We, we still have a lot of work to do on that front. And I would say um, one area that's really a, an area of focus for us is the ethnic diversity rates among our faculty and staff. And so those are areas that we're working on. But again, that rate is a little harder to address because when you're trying to recruit families to come and work, you know, the region also impacts that. And I know being involved at the city level here in Springfield, that's also a focus at the city level as well. So I think there's a lot of symmetries that are happening now where we're trying to focus on those types of opportunities. Um, and I'm excited to see where that leads in the future. That's a good question. I was I was concerned about that when I moved to Wilmore because of the regional demographics. Yeah. Uh, to to teach here at Asbury, but my 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 wife who is uh, from Central Africa, she, she felt at home right away. I was the one who had to adjust. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a white guy, so yeah. You know, it was uh, I was just used to Philadelphia, and it took me a while. But well, Dr. Keener, this has been an incredible honor to spend time with you and um, just thank you for sharing and for being so authentic and genuine and um, insightful. I know this is gonna bless a lot of people um, to listen to you and um, I'm hopeful that we can see you at homecoming as well. So thank you so much for joining us. That's my plan, yeah. Good, well, and thanks to our listeners for, for joining as well. Uh, thank you for listening to Your Calling, our podcast. Until next time, I'm Hector Cruz. And don't forget to share the good news and be the good news. God bless. Mm -hmm.